0: This Week in Wealth is powered by Alpha Wealth Group. If you're serious about retirement and have saved $250,000 or more, call Alpha Wealth Group's Tom Fortino now, 630-934-1855 or alphawealthgroup.com. Alpha Wealth Group, retirement made simple. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Wealth. I'm your host, Tom Fortino. I'm the principal and founder of the Alpha Wealth Group. I'd like to say we're a complete retirement planning firm. If you want to get a hold of us, you can always call us at 630-934-1855, 630-934-1855. You can also go to our website, alphawealthgroup.com. That's alphawealthgroup.com. Lots of great information to download. You can set up a time to chat. You can also sign up for our newsletter. We send that out weekly with a lot of information. I'll probably reference that a little bit today. On today's show, boy, we have a lot to get into. In fact, we have a special guest, which I'm going to introduce in a minute. Uh, we're going to get into some of the one of the five pieces. You know my mantra, five pillars, or my approach to retirement. Having income you can't outlive, having a tax plan, getting to tax free certainly is a good thing, having a solid and smart investment plan, protecting the assets with an asset protection plan, and of course, having the estate and legacy plan to control assets during your lifetime and then to your loved ones. So on today's show, we're going to focus on one of these five pieces. Again, I didn't want to lose sight, but we're going to really drill down into this estate planning aspect. I think it's a good time to do it. We're around people we love. Thanksgiving's coming up, believe it or not. But the important thing is I think this is a good time to talk about this idea of estate planning and legacy planning. We're going to talk about, uh, maybe touch upon some things about end-of-year planning, but let me get right into it, and I'm going to introduce our guest today. And you've heard me mention him before, the attorney. Now I don't have to say according to the attorney, Frank Salerno, because he's right here. He's going to be able to talk about it. Frank Salerno is the uh, his group, Salerno Law Group. He does basically all of our estate planning. We've been working together for years. And he's also a CPA. So we can maybe even kind of talk about the tax implications because that's certainly part of it as well. Well, welcome to the show, Frank. Glad to have you today. Oh, thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me here today. I appreciate uh, you, you inviting me. So we're going to do a deep dive, so we're going we're to challenge you on a few things. I just thought we would start with this. In fact, we were having this conversation before, and there was an interesting article. It said 54% of those are surveyed by Gallup. said so they didn't have a will in 21. I think even you were surprised. And it said one in five with a million dollars assets or more don't have a will. This is according to Charles Schwab. I thought that was kind of interesting and maybe startling. But anyway, why don't we talk a little bit about this whole concept of what it means, I guess, if that's a good place to start. We talk about estate planning.
1: Yeah, that's perfect. You know, and yeah, that number does seem high to me. I know there are a lot of people, and we encounter people every day who say, "I I don't have a will. I have no estate plan. I've got to get something put together." But that number seems higher than I would have thought it would have been. But there's always those misconceptions in estate planning. You know, a couple of the misconceptions are: are my assets high enough? Do I do I have enough? net worth to require an estate plan. that's really the first misconception is people think that estate planning is, you have to reach a certain asset level before you need estate planning. And that's not the case. You know, when when I sit down with people, you know, I don't even really, most of the time, even know what their net worth is and don't even ask them what their net worth is when I start getting into the planning, because it is such a small, small piece of the estate plan That it's not the crux of whether or not you need an estate plan, but that a lot of people have that in their mind. And And the other misconception is, is for those people who do have wills, they think that the will is the end all be all. And if I have a will, I'm completely protected. I don't need any other planning and that I'm covered with the will. But you know, and again, when you look at estate planning, you know, really, the big question comes into play is: is if something were to happen, you know, are the courts involved in the transferring of our wealth? You know, and that's probate. You know, and, and anytime you're in the court system, everyone will agree that the courts are never a good place to be. You know, and it's very time consuming, it's very expensive. You know, people are fighting, and so you know, we're always seeking to avoid that. You know, why would we incur the time, the cost? And the other headaches that go with the court process when we could avoid that, when we're leaving our assets to our loved ones. And so that's really the first thing. You know? And so, again, people have the misunderstanding of how do I avoid the court system when I, when I pass away. And, and a lot of people think that they're set that they're, there is no courts involved when they die. But, but that's really the question is are the courts involved when we pass in transferring our homes, our portfolios, our bank accounts?
0: There's also, though, I don't know if this is the term to use, but there could be, because I always say, look, either you're going to make these decisions during your lifetime or someone else will, which you're talking about the courts, but there's also, I don't know if living probate is the term we want to use, but when we talk about estate plan, there's documents like powers of attorney, not just trusts and wills, but you could be exposed to probate during your lifetime, too.
1: Yeah, you know, so you're absolutely right, Tom. You know, the estate planning really covers two sides of it. You know, one is we pass away, you know, and that's the decedent's estate. The other side of estate planning is, you know, what if we're incapacitated, right? Our, our health deteriorates, and we're in an automobile accident, and we're still with us, but we're unable to make decisions for ourselves. You know, and that's the so-called living probate that you you talk about. You know, and so when you get getting get into the court system, there's two sides to probate. One is for decedents, and the other side is for either minors or incapacitated individuals and so we could absolutely be in the court system while we're alive in the event we're incapacitated or our health deteriorates and we can't make decisions for ourselves. And again, people say to me all the time, well, I'm married, if I am if I can't make decisions, can't my wife just step in? Can't my husband just step in and take over for me? You know, and being married and having a marriage certificate doesn't give someone the legal authority to transact business for each other. And so we would have to go into the court system in the event we were sick. And I, and I always talk about a retirement account. You, you guys do obviously mm-hmm. a lot of retirement yeah. planning. You know, And the question that I have to people is, is, okay, you have an IRA, let's say. That IRA is an individually owned asset. It's not like your checking account that has two people on it. It's an individual account. So the husband has his IRA, wife has her IRA. And my question to people is, what if you're in a car accident and your health deteriorates and someone needs to take an RMD out of your account where they need to move from fund A to fund B? How do you do that? And the response that I get from people is, my wife's the beneficiary. She can do that. And my response is... Beneficiary is only triggered upon death. It's not triggered on disability. So, again, if someone's incapacitated, that account is frozen Mm -hmm. because there's no one who has access to it. And so we would have to go into the court system to get access to that retirement account. And so, again, the estate planning is designed to prevent that from happening. And, again, what's the downside to being in the court system? It's very time consuming. You know, to get into the court system, it takes time. And so Mm -hmm. that retirement account's frozen until I can get a court date and get into court. And that depends upon the county. Some Mm -hmm. counties are a lot slower than others. So there's that time constraint. I'm guessing Cook County. Cook County's the worst, Uh, (laughs) right?
0: You're right. (laughs) And there's money. We're gonna get. We're gonna cut. We're coming up on a break. We're gonna get back to this. There's so many things, but the point I think you're making, Frank, or we're just talking about, it's not just about what happens when you pass away. It's during your lifetime. You could assets can be frozen during your lifetime. You may disinherit children, of course, and then family dynamics. All of these things are unavoidable, and that's really the point here. That's why we always talk about these five pieces, and this is just one of them. And we do these things. We want people to have them place. Some of you may have done these a while ago and never put them on a shelf and haven't looked at them for a while. So there's a lot of things here. I, I, you know, I, We have these estate planning packets. I put them together. We're going to get into beneficiary designations in a while here. That's part of it. The six essential documents, we're going to talk about those. The document locator, which is kind of a roadmap for where assets are and things. Are. All of that's part of this estate planning packet. I certainly want to offer that. And then also, for those of you that want to schedule a time to come in, we'll do the review of your estate plan. We'll do an overall retirement planning review. This is available to you. Again, this is so critical. I think this is a great time of year to take a look at some of these things. So, if you want the estate planning back or you want to schedule a time to either chat or come on in, throw everything in a box. We'll go through everything. You know my uh, approach there. Give us a call, 630 934 1855. 630 934 1855 again. To get the information or schedule a time. Coming up, we're going to get into, again, a lot more aspects of it. I'm going to talk about having a bad air day. I'm going to tell you about that story. So stick around. You'll listen to Tom Fortino on 720 AM WGN. Welcome back to This Week in Wealth. I'm your host, Tom Fortino, the principal and founder of the Alpha Wealth Group. We are a full service, I like to say, retirement planning. Complete, customized retirement planning. If you want to get a hold of us, 630-934-1855, 630 630- 934 934 uh, 1855. If you want some of the information we offered, we've been talking about the estate planning. If there's something specific, we'll always customize it for you. If you have a question, you can certainly email us. You can go to our website, alphawealthgroup.com. A lot of information there as well. Today, we're covering, you know, we're focusing on one of these five, what I like to call the five pillars of your plan. It's interesting. There was an article here that said that. By 2045, baby boomer parents are expected to hand down $53 trillion. This was a New York Life study. $53 trillion. And that's only one aspect of it when we talk about estate planning, legacy planning, controlling assets. We don't have the right things in place. We can certainly lose control. We were just talking before with Frank. He's here. Frank Salerno, of course, Salerno Law Group. He's the attorney I've referenced before. And I would say, according to Frank, well, now Frank can speak for himself. Uh, and answer questions on this, you know, disinheriting children. All of these things that maybe are problems that are asleep, we're not aware of. In the first segment, Frank, we were talking about just going through the probate process. We said there's living probate, which is, you know, if someone's incapacitated, and then there's also what happens if a spouse or a parent passes away. But this is the point is if you don't have these documents in place, maybe we can talk about the documents as well, maybe more comments on the court system and what exposes you to court, but you could lose control if you don't have the right documents in place. Isn't that accurate? Well, absolutely. You know, Tom, you had mentioned
1: earlier about someone's going to make the decision for us if we haven't made it ourselves. And so, you know, we were talking about that retirement account. And so that's the concern, right? If you're incapacitated and you don't have anything in place, a judge is going to pick someone to make that decision. And I always say, what if a dozen people show up at the courthouse and they say, I, I want to be the one in charge? You're leaving it up to a judge to pick amongst those 12 people. There's no guarantee that the judge is going to pick the person that you mm-hmm. want. The judge could absolutely pick somebody you don't want. And so again, the concern is, is you've left everything up to the judge. You know, there's that degree of chance to saying, well, I hope the courts get it right and they pick the person that I want. And so that's where these documents come into play, you know, because the documents are designed to take the time constraint away, to take the extra cost away, and to take that chance away. You know, and and how we would cover the disability side would be powers of attorney. And so they're pretty straightforward, pretty easy documents. And you have a power of attorney for financial decisions. You also have a power of attorney for health care. And so it's a document that would say, in the event I'm incapacitated, I'm giving legal authority to someone to make both my financial decisions and my health care decisions. So yeah, in it, separate documents. Could sep- be two different people. Two separate documents. But you're right. So if I'm incapacitated, I've given someone the authority to take control of my retirement account. Again, without the need to go into the court system, without the time constraints, it's done. And I've picked a person. Nice thing about the documents, they allow me to name a secondary person. So if the person that I pick is also incapacitated or has passed away, I can name a second person. I can name a third person. Right. So I have the people that I want making decisions. Again, I'm not hoping the judge picks the right person. I picked the right person. You know, so again in, in dealing with that living probate, we avoid that yeah. with the power of attorney
0: for property, power of attorney for healthcare. Talk and about- you have a backup to a backup, as I like to say, your spouse typically it's pretty common spouse first, children second, if they're adults of course. <laughs> and maybe, you know, first child, second child, whatever order you do it, but you may have three people listed in order in succession. So that way, you know, if you just don't have one person, that person passed away, all of a sudden this document is void. I mean, it doesn't work. There's nobody listed. So that's one of the points I would say here for people that have these documents. When was the last time you looked at them? Who are your successor trustees? Who are your powers of attorney? The other thing I guess we can talk about now is beyond just the living probate. Of course, we talk about trusts because, you know, that's what I was saying, where there's a will, there's a probate, right? Wills go to probate. So when we talk about trusts and titling of assets, this is critical too. Well,
1: you're right. And so again, that's that other misconception in estate planning is what does a will actually do? And people always say, I don't understand. Why would I need a trust? Why would I need a will? What's the difference between the two? In a lot of circumstances, they're doing similar things. They're just doing it drastically different. You know, And, and drastically different means one's good and one's less than good. You know, But again, it gets back to that probate. And the misconception is, is, well, I don't have to go through the court system when I pass away because I have a will. And the will is the document that's avoiding the court system. And so again, people think if, if I don't have a will, well, that's where the courts come into play. And if I have a will, I've avoided the courts. And that's, unfortunately, it's not how it works. And so whether or not a house, a bank account, a portfolio, even a retirement account for that matter, has to go through the court system when we pass is not controlled by do I have a will. It's controlled by titling. And, and the question is, is there a living owner on title to my house, my bank accounts? my retirement accounts, everything that I own. Is there a living owner on title when I die? And if the answer is yes, then those assets are outside the court system because they go automatically to the living owner. If, in fact, the question or the answer is no, there's no living owner, those assets have to go through the court system, and the courts are going to determine who the owners are. And so in, in a lot of circumstances, you see probate happen on the death of the survivor. You know, and I, I sit down with kids and they say, You know, mom is the survivors passed away. And I say, we have to go through the court system. And they say, we don't understand. We know that when dad died, we didn't have to go through the court system. Why do we have to go through the court system now that mom dies? And again, it's all about the titling, right? That house is joint. So when Mm -hmm. dad passes, the house automatically goes to mom because that's what the title reads. Now, of course, the issue is, is when mom passes away, there's no longer an owner on title to that house. So that asset has to go into the court system. And so, again, that's a house... That's a bank account. That's a retirement account with no beneficiary. You know, what if you have a retirement account that has a, a deceased beneficiary on it, and then you pass away with no contingent? Well, that automatically defaults into the court system. Mm-hmm. And we've got to figure out who's the owner of that retirement account and that bank account and that house in the court system. You know, and then we start the court process. And again, we talked before, there's nothing good in the court system. And you know, the court yeah. system is a long process. It's a minimum of six months. So once you get into the court system, that house, that bank account, that retirement account is tied up in the court system for a minimum of six months.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that's why titling is so important because if you have a joint titled asset, that's why when I send out these asset organizers and you hear me beat the table on, i always on, hey, you got to be organized. You know, you may have a trust, but if your assets are titled to the trust, they're not in the trust. And so that's why when I send these organizers, in fact, I'll send that too because if you fill it out, and I, you can download it and fill it in. It's like, what is your asset? How is it titled? If you have a trust and your bank and says John and Gene Smith, it's not in your trust. And so this is critical, which means, again, as Frank is talking about, it's exposed to probate, which now we go start this process. And these are things that are avoidable. There's so many pieces to this, and I think this is why this is so critical. And everybody's situation is unique. So, again, I'll offer that packet, the estate planning packet, with the organizers and the locators, In addition to that as I said if you really want to dig into this and take a look at it and I think this is a great time of year give us a call we'll schedule a time we'll go through this with you bring in your documents if you've done them and we'll look at them we'll review them you're gonna know what you have this is important stuff so again give us a call 630-934-1855 630-934-1855 if you want this information or if you want to schedule a time to actually go through or start the estate plan, if you've been putting it off. Coming up, we have so much more to get into because there's just so much that's involved in this. We want to get into beneficiary designations, taxes, as they relate to this as well. Stick around. You'll see to Tom Fortino here in 720 AM WGN. Welcome back to This Week in Wealth. I'm your host, Tom Fortino. I'm the principal and founder of the Alpha Wealth Group. If you want to give us a call, you can always call us at 630-934-1855. You can go to our website, alphawealthgroup.com, alphawealthgroup.com to get information, download reports, even if you want to schedule a time to chat about some of the things we're talking about that are specific to your situation. Today, we're covering, as I said, one of those five pillars of your plan. And that's that, in no particular order, but it's estate and legacy planning. You know, this is maybe one of the most personal aspects. It probably is. We always want to make sure you have income you can't outlive. We want to make sure, or try to make sure, I should say, you're minimizing taxes. We're going to get into that a little bit because, of course, taxes come into play on estates. All of those parts of having a smart investment plan, but then controlling the assets during your lifetime and down to your children and grandchildren in the most efficient manner. That is so critical because I always say they control your assets or flow through these documents. This is why this stuff is so important. We have Frank Salerno in here today, the attorney of Salerno Law Group. And we're covering this area. I just wanted to really take a kind of a deeper dive. And we still can't cover it all. But we've talked a little bit about the court system, how you can be exposed to these things, the documents you should have in place. Of course, certainly you don't want to disinherit children or lose control of assets, have them frozen. I mean, all of these things are possible. And uh, it's just this is a time to either put something in place, one of two things. Either you don't have an estate plan, you need to put these things in place. And then if if you do, it maybe is a time to review things and make sure your wishes are how you originally set these up. I think we can go back into, Frank, last time we were talking about the trust and the titling. You know, if someone was joint titled on a home, a spouse, yes, at the first death, it goes to the surviving spouse. But then what happens at the second death? And then what happens if there's a common accident? And again, that's an issue. So this is where trusts come into play. And I sometimes say, and you can correct me, so get me at the attorney here. Uh, one comment I'll make is, you know, if your estate is 100000 or more, as you said, or have real property, you would ex- be exposed to probate in Illinois. I think you're right. you said that. Yes. And then also having a trust is really comes back to it's really a title. I mean, was that a fair statement to say it's really a title? It, it is a title. You know, and, it, and again, when you look at a will and a trust, I mean,
1: you could sign one, both of them today. You know, it, your trust is valid and effective today. Your will, on the other hand, is valid, but it's not effective yet. Why isn't it effective? Well, it's a last will and testament. Mm-hmm. It's not going to become effective until you pass away. And so yeah. given the fact that your trust is effective today, it is a titling. It's a document that exists. It's a document that could hold assets. And so in setting up a trust, the trust is two steps. Mm-hmm. One would be we would set it up, and then the second one is you'd fill it up. You know, and that's an easy process. Right? And so when you get back to the house, we would establish a trust, And then we would transfer ownership to the trust. Mm -hmm. So when we are done, the trust is the owner of the house. And the trust will then dictate the terms of how this trust is controlled and how this trust is managed. And, you know, when you're dealing with a husband and a wife and you could set a trust up for the survivor or for a non-married person, the trust has language in it that would say, how is this trust administered while I am alive? And Mm -hmm. so, again, if it was a couple, let's say, that trust would have three parts to it. You know, And that trust would say, hey, what happens while the husband and the wife are alive? And the trust would say, they are the co-trustees, and they are the co-beneficiaries of this trust. So if they say, hey, we want to move, we want to sell the house, we want to access some of the assets that are in the trust, they're in complete control. They could do whatever they want to do, and they're the beneficiaries. So again, they're the trustees, they're the beneficiaries. So again, with that house, they would sell the house, all of the proceeds are theirs, just like they sit as a joint owner. The second part of the trust would say, hey, what happens when one of us passes? The trust will continue on with the survivor as the sole trustee and the survivor as the sole beneficiary. So the survivor says, no, oh, I want to downsize. I, I want to travel. They can sell the property. They could access all of the money. Again, just how they were when it was joint. It was the two of them. Then it became the one of them. And so that really doesn't change anything. It's the third part of the <clears throat> trust that's really helping us out, and it's avoiding the court system. Because the third part says, what happens when the survivor dies? Well, that trust continues on after the death of the survivor with a new trustee and a new beneficiary. So say, hypothetically, there's three kids. We say, oh, the oldest becomes the trustee. You could name anyone as the trustee, mind you. I'm just talking in an example. You could say the oldest is now the trustee. They're going to sell the house, and they're going to distribute the proceeds amongst all of the children. That's in the trust. The nice thing about it, though, is, is you go back to that initial question. Remember, the initial question is, on the death of mm-hmm. the survivor, is there a living owner entitled to this house? The answer is now yes. That's your trust. Mm -hmm. As you said, it exists. It's a titling vehicle. The trust exists. Therefore, that house is no longer in the court system. So the trust is the vehicle that will keep that house, that bank account, that portfolio, that retirement account, out of the court system. And so, again, people say, what's the difference between a will and a trust? And it is just that. A will is a document that controls in the court system, A trust is the document that takes us out of the court system. So they could be doing the same thing. They're just doing it very, very differently. The will says, hey, we're going to give these kids the house after six months, usually longer, and after a whole bunch of money is spent and and we deal with creditors and all this other stuff, the trust says we're going to leave that house to the kids. There's no six-month waiting period. There's no added costs. There's no creditors involved. It's totally private.
0: Yeah, that's the way. And then there's also with trust, we, we're going to get into this in the next segment about preserving your exemption and estate taxes. Mm-hmm. There's also a level of estate tax, and we're going to talk about in the state of Illinois. We want to get into that because there, are, of course, there's tax implications on there's income potential income tax, certainly on retirement accounts, potential estate tax. There's even capital gains tax if assets are titled improperly. We're going to talk about all that. I mean, this is powerful stuff as far as. I mean, it's so fundamental to your plan. To me, it's it's like you got you got to have this in place. There's almost no excuse. So I'm going to offer that packet again. It gets into the you know I guess because we can't get into everything. The titling, the documents, what I call the six essential documents, even personal directives and personal property memorandums. You know, where do you want the baseball card collection, the wedding ring to go to? These are important decisions too. That's part of it, and then also um, the asset organizers. And uh, again, you fall into two camps. Maybe if you haven't done this stuff, or you're, you say there's some blind spots here. I haven't. This is an opportunity to do some things, or you 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 have them in place and you haven't looked at them in a long time. You got to dust them off. This is a good time to look at it and make sure, hey, is everything titled to my trust? Is everything tied to my trust? Are my beneficiary designations set up properly? We're going to talk about that, too. That's another very critical thing as far as setting up beneficiaries for assets that are not in the trust. So if you want this information, I call it the estate complete estate planning packet. Or as I'm going to say, if you really wanted to, a personal customized review of your overall plan, including the estate planning, you know, Frank's going to help out here. He always does. He's part of it give us a call 630-934-1855 630-934-1855 again this is just a great time to take a look at this piece I always say maybe the it's not the you know it's hard to say always what's the most important piece but certainly when it comes to your family man you know these things you don't want someone to be blindsided and this is a way to make sure there's no loose ends I think 630-934-1855 if you have a question you can certainly email us or if you want to schedule time just to chat but we do all this here. This is what we do, and this is part of the retirement plan. It's not just about growing a pile of money and picking at it. It's about having a complete plan, and this is one of those five pieces. So uh, hoping this is going to be helpful to you as we go down. We have a lot more to get into. Again, we'll try to get as much as we can. That's why I offer the information. When we come back, I do want to get into this article called Having a Bad Air Day, H-E-I-R, not hair, air day. I've read it re- re- before, but I think it deserves repeating and then we're going to talk a little bit about the tax implications and what you can do to minimize those. You're listening to Tom Fortino with Frank Solano here on 720 AM WGM. Welcome back to This Week in Wealth. I'm your host, Tom Fortino. I'm the principal and founder of the Alpha Wealth Group. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can always call us at 630-934-1855. That's 630-934-1855. You can go to our website, AlphaWealthGroup.com, alphawealthgroup.com. You can download information. You can send me a question if you have something that we touched upon either this week or previous weeks. Or if you want to sign up for our newsletter, we're here. We want to be a resource for you. Today, of course, we have our special guest, Frank Salerno. I've referred to Frank a number of times when we talk about estate planning. You know, I always want to surround myself or partner with people and provide them. This is something I say is a non negotiable. You know, I'm an investment advisor rep. We do. Um, Portfolio management, we provide that. I also, um, I'm also insurance licensed, but these other areas that are, again, to, as I say, trying to be complete. Well, this is one of those five pieces, and so I thought we'd do a little deeper dive into estate planning today. We've talked today already about titling, having the right documents in place. And I did want to mention the court system and so on, but we want to get a little bit into the taxes. I just wanted to make, go and talk a little bit about beneficiaries, then maybe we'll segue into, pivot into taxes here. But this was an interesting article. It said, even where there's a will, there can be a won't. It's a hard lesson learned by three adult children of a wealthy executive who died suddenly. His will states that his assets go to his children, right? However, much of his wealth was in his 401k plan, and the fate of those assets isn't dictated by a will. So it said it's, it's a little understood situation. So these are unique to 401Ks, not IRAs, but after it said the 401K often hinges on what you scribbled down, right? Beneficiaries. What did you scribble down decades ago or maybe some time ago? The executive who died last month should have asked his wife to sign a waiver and name his children as the beneficiaries. Because he didn't, his wife inherits all of it, and they've been married two months. So this is what I mean by these things. You cannot change certain things Certainly, post death, and if you're incapacitated, now all of a sudden you don't have these options. So, maybe we can talk a little bit about beneficiary designations separate from the trust. You know, things like life insurance and IRAs and 401ks. You made the comment earlier, Frank, you know, they have to be individually titled during your lifetime. You can't joint title them, you can't put them in a trust. All the retirement accounts are in your name, so they're beneficiary driven assets, right? And so, unless you name the trust, as a beneficiary, it has nothing to do with your trust. No, you're absolutely right. So whoever you list as the beneficiary, you
1: know, what controls. And so that's kind of the overriding factor. But, you know, when you, when you come back to that article, his point may be very well have been, well, when I set this 401k up, when he set this retirement account up, yeah, I wasn't married, but my kids were little. You know, and so I guess, you know, that's the other issue. I mean, if you have minor or you have incapacitated children, let's say, how do you name them as beneficiaries on your 401k <clears> or even on your life insurance? Right, and and so people do it. You know, they say, "Oh, my spouse is the beneficiary, and my kids are the backup." Well, how old are your children? Well, they're minors. Well, you know, what happens? Something happens, and this money passes to minors. Well, now the question is: Is well, who's raising them? That's the person who's in charge of those funds. You know, a lot of people come back and say, "Yeah, this person's great from a child rearing standpoint, and I want them to raise the kids, but I don't necessarily want them to also have access to to their funds." And so you have that. Aside from that, you have what if the kids are eighteen? Well, they become the owners of this money yeah. when they become adults. And so you're saying, you know what, I'm assuming this gentleman had a lot of money in this 401K. That money's going to 18-year-olds, you know, and so yeah. that's problematic. And so,
0: you know, times you you're suggesting they may buy, like, a really nice car or... Yeah. Well, who knows what, <laughs> right?
1: Who knows what they're going to do with that money. But, you know, what? I, and there's, you know, I'm not I'm to say that there aren't some super responsible 18-year-olds that would, you know what, not do that. But mm-hmm. I'm sure there's more that would say, hey, you know what, mm-hmm. car sounds nice. You know, so again, that's the problem is, is who are the beneficiaries? You know, that controls. And then the question comes is, are the people we want to receive these funds old enough, wise enough, responsible enough to take direct control of that? And if the answer to that is no, again, that's where your trust comes into play. Because you could very easily name the trust as the beneficiary. You know, you're right, Tom. You can't name the owner of your retirement account the trust. But you can absolutely name the trust as the beneficiary. And so upon that person's passing, the funds at that point in time would funnel into the trust through mm-hmm. the beneficiary designation. And that trust, yeah, it avoids the probate. We've been talking about that, but it also provides a degree of management, right? You mm-hmm. could name someone to oversee these funds and you could put a whole bunch of parameters as to how your beneficiaries would access these funds. So again, if they're not old enough, you know, they don't have to get the money immediately.
0: You know, the money could stay in this yeah, trust. Yeah, can flow through the trust. There's yeah. not a right or wrong answer. I always tell people, look, typically it's spouse first, children second. And some will say, well, can I name the trust as the contingent after my spouse? I say, well, yeah, because children can't assume ownership. We'll talk about taxes in a minute. The spouse can, so I like to say, all oh, you know, in most cases, unless it's a second marriage, you know, again, you can name the. Tr- so there's reasons you may want to name the trust as the beneficiary in these because again, every that's why I say many times, everybody's situation is unique. But you can name the trust as a beneficiary and a lot of times it's not a right or wrong answer it's gonna f- it will flow outside of probate if there's beneficiaries designated and they're of age and so on but that again it may not be what you want in your these all these things can be addressed though that's the beauty
1: of this yeah absolutely you know again so that's why i say you have minor beneficiaries you know what if you have an adult child who has some disabilities right you know, again what's the concern well they may be getting some governmental benefits well, if they directly inherit your retirement account, they could lose their benefits. Right, and so we want to safeguard those assets so that that doesn't happen. And again, a trust is a great way to do that.
0: Yeah, you know, I'll, we only have a lot. We don't have a lot of time, but I want to get into one other aspect here, and we'll try to just touch upon some of these things because there's a tax implication. You know, you mentioned life insurance, and typically, I suggest just make your your trust the beneficiary of the life insurance. In most cases it is income tax free it's not a state tax free so we just have to understand there's a state tax so if you have a million dollar life insurance policy that's part of your estate and if you exceed the amounts in illinois you could Someone could say, hey, I got a million dollar estate. Well, it's no income tax, but you gotta turn around and give three hundred thousand back to the state of Illinois. You know, so we need to understand there's an estate tax piece here too. Let's talk about that But I don't know if we can get all the other taxes, but we just okay. there's a tax consequence we have to be aware of.
1: Yeah, so so both the federal government and in this case the state of Illinois say when we pass and we transfer our wealth, there's estate taxes. A lot of people think of it as an inheritance tax, but there's ultimately estate taxes. So again, we're transferring our wealth when we pass. And both the federal government and the state of Illinois say any money that goes to a spouse or any money that goes to a charity would be tax free. So if you're leaving funds to a non-spouse or a non-charity, your children, your grandchildren, other beneficiaries, both the federal government and the state of Illinois imposes dollar limitations. You know, and the federal governments, you know, have gone very high, but there's certainly talk that those numbers are going to significantly come down. But the concern that we have is, we want to take advantage of what the government gives us so that we're not paying estate taxes when we would otherwise avoid them. You know, so if you were just to focus for the time being on the state, you know, the state of Illinois has a four million dollar exemption. So the State of Illinois says if you pass or when we pass, if you leave more than four million dollars in total to a non spouse, non charity, they have to pay estate taxes. You know, so again, it's not, hey, I got five kids, I can leave each one of them four million dollars. It doesn't work that way. You have one estate that estate could leave four million, whether it goes to one child or goes to a dozen kids. So and the other problem with the state of Illinois is the state of Illinois is a so-called cliff. And so the State of Illinois isn't set up to say, well, you only pay tax on the overage. So if we go over four million, we pay tax on the overage. No, it's a cliff. Once we go over the four million, we pay tax on all of it. Now granted, the first four million is taxed at a much lower rate. But there's tax on all of it, and yeah, so they
0: bring it back in. It's almost like they claw it. And you go to four million in a dollar.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know. So again, it's, it's not it's, funny,
0: but it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah. So so again, what's the concern? You know, and, and again, I, I get it. The numbers are high, so it doesn't impact everyone. But again, we don't, we want to be positioned so that if we are in that situation, again, we're not paying more in taxes than we have to. And the concern, of course, is as a couple, it's four million for a husband, four million for a wife. But but the problem that the government has is. And any money in, that goes from a husband to a wife is tax-free. And so the concern, of course, is if we have everything joint you have a so-called honey-I-love-you-will, husband dies, leaves everything to the wife. Well, the wife has all of the mm-hmm. assets. If the wife has gone over one exemption, they only have a $4 million exemption. So having everything joint would result in estate taxes when we get over $4 million. Having it properly titled and having a mm-hmm. trust in play would provide there be no estate taxes until we get over
0: the eight million. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have a lot more time to get into this, and I maybe we'll, we're going to have Frank back. But the point is, the trust not only serve the purpose of avoiding probate if everything's done properly; they're private, they flow the way you want, and so on. But they preserve the exemption at the first death. I think that's Frank was getting to. So now you have four million per person, and it gets to leave them a little better than that. But the point is. This is why this stuff, you see why it's so important? It's not just about controlling assets. It's not just, it's about minimizing taxes, all of these things. I mean, you've worked so hard, done these things during your lifetime, and then, you know, you, to get exposed to this stuff, it's really, it's really, uh, it's a shame. And I, I don't ever want to see that, of course. We don't want to see that. But let me do this again. I want to make this offer one more time. If you want the estate planning packet, it's got the information on bulletproofing your beneficiaries, asset titling, the six essential documents, the asset organizer. Additionally, you know, we'll put all that together. If you want to come in, if you have questions, I mean, if you really want to do a deep dive in this and make sure, hey, there's no loose ends, I'm complete here, or get an estate plan started. Give us a call. There's no cost or obligation to come in. 630-934-1855. 630-934-1855. I just want to thank Frank for coming in. You know, We're going to to have you back. We're going to talk about a lot. There's so much more to get into, taxes, estate planning, all of that. So I want to thank you for coming in today, and uh, we'll have you back. Oh, well, thank you. I enjoyed it very much. Well, again, we're out of time here, so I hope you've enjoyed This Week in Wealth. We're going to be back next Sunday. We're here every Sunday at 7 a.m. We want to get into some ideas that are always going to be helpful to you. I'm Tom Fortino for, again, This Week in Wealth on 720 WGN.
2: more or less than when originally invested any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products they do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are not offered by retirement wealth advisors insurance and annuities offered through alpha wealth group licensed in illinois tom portino and alpha wealth group are not affiliated with or endorsed by the social security administration or any other government agency